This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And we're going to begin this quest on hope. I'm excited about this message. Next week's, you talking about something, next week is going to be what we, like in the South, we call it a humdinger. How many of you know what a humdinger is? If you're not from the South, you may not even be acquainted with that. I was, I was down in Florida with our family down there and preaching, of course, at, the, at our church there, Faith Outreach Church of Central Florida, uh, a couple weeks ago. And it rains a lot down there. It gets really, you know, they have just you know, really heavy rain. And I told them one day, I said, you know, it come, it, it, sometimes it rains really hard in Tennessee. I said, it comes a frog strangler. They said, a what? I said, a frog strangler. They said, what the heck's that? I said, well, it rains so hard that the frog strangle. So just so you know, these, these little colloquialisms of, of this area, there, there's one of them right there. Here in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime or before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I want you to notice that it says here that the Bible, the scriptures were written for our learning. Every time we open the scriptures in the house of God, we are learning. Can you shout amen? amen. Now, now listen to me because now you know me, I'm going to take you deeper, but you've got to be with me on the beginning of the ride to get there. Every time you come to the house of God, and it could happen at home, it could. Surely we should read our Bibles at home. Surely God speaks to all of us individually. Surely God shows us some things. But you know, there are some things that you will never see in the scriptures without a preacher. God made it that way. He said, how can they hear unless there be a preacher? That's right. That's why, you know, and the Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching. He chose this method of getting his word into people's hearts. You can get some of it without a preacher, but you won't get something. You won't get all of it without it. God will use a man or a woman who's called and ordained of God. And if you don't think women are called, read my article coming up next month in May, whether women are called or not. It'll be in there. I just released it yesterday. But God will use an anointed man or woman of God to break open the scriptures and, the, and so you can see things. And he said the scriptures are written for our learning. We are learning, praise God. Why do I want to come to church where I can learn? I need to, you know, I've been doing this 47 years. I go to conferences every year. And I sit there and for hours and hours and hours. You go to the Southwest Believers Convention, Brother Copeland's, like I said, we don't call it boot camp, we call it butt camp. Because you are sitting on your butt for hours and hours and hours and hours. All these great speakers coming. And, and I sit there, even though I've been doing this for 47 years, I sit there because I need to learn some more. I never walk in here thinking that I know everything or even that I know more than maybe some of you know. But I am anointed in ways that you're not. And for that reason, I can, God will use me to show you things. Amen. Amen. So they were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Wow. So this is what this Bible is designed to do. This Bible is chocked full, stuffed with hope. Amen. Yes, sir. Every time you open this Bible, if you'll just pay attention a little bit, some hope will pour out on top of you. Amen. Some hope will come out and cover you over. Some hope will get into the dry places of your life and cause you to begin to once again believe God and talk to God and anticipate and plan and get ready for something else. Amen. I love the Bible. I love the scriptures of the Bible, man. I love this. So it was written for our, it says for our learning, but also it brings us patience and comfort through the scriptures. Can you say amen? So number one, the scriptures are the source of all hope. Everybody say all hope. Now, 
I'm going to say, now go to 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. This is so good. 1 Corinthians 13. Read a very familiar verse, but we're going to pull something out of it here if you don't watch. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. Now and now abides. Uh, how many of you know that if I read this scripture 20 years from now, it would still be now? So this morning on April the 24th, 2022 at 10.51 a.m. Now, right now, now abides. This word abides means continues on and on and on and on and on and on. It means it's endless. And now abides faith, hope, charity, or love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Now what I want you to see here is hope has no end. I want you to see that hope's one of the big three. Everybody say the big three. They're listed here. There are, there are only three things listed here that abide, to keep going, they keep going, they keep going, they keep going. Now, even if you go through a setback, a hurt, a death, a delay, a problem, a sickness, a disease, just remember this, these three will keep going. Faith, hope, and love will just keep right on going. And they'll keep going in your life if you'll keep going with them. So we would say it this way, uh, hope has an endless supply. Amen. There's an endless supply of hope. If you run out of hope, it's pretty easy to go get some. If you run out of hope, I know where you can look to find some. If you run out of hope in something in your life, I know where you can go to get some hope. Even in this confused, mixed up, disastrous world that we are living in that is not as totally hopeless, I know where to go get some hope. Even if I go through a divorce, a death, a setback, money leaves, whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't mean it's the end of the end of the end of the end. No, 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 no. These three abide faith, hope, and love. Can you shout amen? Number two, so hope is one of three things that is endless. Hope is one of three things in the Bible that is endless. Aren't you glad? Go to Genesis chapter 8. Let me give you a little, uh, show you how things should work. They don't always work this way, but they should work this way. Now the flood has happened, and we won't debate whether this is the first or second flood on the earth. I believe it's the second flood, but we'll talk about that at another time. But here, and I have a whole book written on that. In Genesis chapter 8, uh, and, and we're going to look at... Uh, uh, verse 6, And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Now the flood is come and he opens the window. And he sent forth the raven which went forth to and fro till the waters were dried up from off the earth. So he sent this raven out trying to figure out if the waters had abated yet and the raven didn't return. It just kept flying so he knew there was still water out there. Right? Yeah. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Okay, maybe the water's gone down but, but, but is, it still, is it still off the ground? Maybe the waters are not as high as they were, but is it off the ground yet? But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him to the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, took her, and pulled her in, uh, to him into the ark. So he pulls this dove back in, and notice this, and he stayed yet another seven days. Everybody say he stayed. He stayed. <laughs> this is really important. It's going to be more important than you think. And again, everybody say again. Sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew the waters were abated from off the earth. He knew now, but he knew it still wasn't time yet. And notice this. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again to him anymore. Now what am I saying with this? I'm saying that God told Noah from the beginning what was going to happen, how he was going to do it. The flood was coming. It was going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. But he promised to spare him, and he promised that he and his family... His three sons and three daughter-in-laws and his wife. There were eight people. The Bible says eight souls were saved. That they were going to make it and they were going to live. And after a period of time, he did. And the important thing was he stayed another seven days. He stayed another. He stayed until what God said came to pass. What I'm trying to tell you is hope is asking you to stay. Hope is saying, stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. So, all right, you sent it out, but it, it doesn't matter. Stay with it. You sent it, okay, but it didn't matter. Stay with it. You sent out another one, but it, it doesn't matter. Stay with it because it's going to come to pass. Uh -huh. 
Let me give you another story. Let's, let's think about, we're not going to read there, but let's go to Luke chapter 5. Don't, don't turn there. But we, we read it quite a bit, and Jesus is, you know, he's, he's preached, he's out there, and, and, and he tells, after he preaches, he tells the disciples, go out into the deep for a catch. Remember that? And, of course, Peter and the fishermen saying, wait a minute, Jesus, you're a good preacher, but we're better at fishing than you are. And we can tell you something. We were out there all night, and there's nothing out there. This is not going to happen. It's not a good time. But, but they did have this much sense. They said, nevertheless, and this is what hope will do for you. This is what hope is supposed to do. When you say it never works, this is not a good season, it's not going to happen. Nevertheless, at your word, I will do what you say. And they went out there, they cast out their nets, and before you knew it, they had a boat sinking load of fish. What am I saying? I'm saying what didn't work yesterday might just work today. See, what the devil's hoping you're going to do is when something doesn't work out, that you walk away. That you quit, that you give up, that you stop, that you no longer believe, that you no longer come to church, that you no longer sow your offering, that you no longer read your Bible, that you no longer go to your prayer closet, that you no longer, you no longer, and that's what the devil's counting on. But just because you caught nothing last night doesn't mean you might not catch a great load today. But for hope to work, you got to stay with it. You got to stay with it. Is anybody in this house today other than me today? Okay, just want to make sure. GP, are you with me? All right. Number three, hope is invisible, yet it is indivisible. I love this. Go with me back over to Romans chapter 8. We were in Romans 15, now we're going to go to Romans 8. Uh, are you catching some of this? Now, here's what I already know is happening so far. Your hope's already starting to rise. How do I know that? Because of the Bible. The Bible's a book of hope. Can you say amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For we are saved by, what does it say? Shout it out. Now, that's we. We're saved by what? Now, Romans 8, 24. That's in your New Testament, just so you know where that is. All right, all right. We're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? So it's saying here that hope is not something that you can see. It is invisible. I don't have to hope for a good wife because I have one. She's right there. I can see her. Now, there was a time in my life where I had to hope for that. Amen. Anybody in here but me? And she hadn't shown up yet. I remember I was coming out of a horrible, busted, destroyed relationship. And I was in the Woman Haters Club of America. And yet part of me being a man and, and, and just wanting to have a, a family was yearning for God to send me a godly woman who wanted to be in ministry and walk with me in ministry. So for that reason, because I had a prayer life, I would pray and that hope got inside me that it would happen. She hadn't shown up yet. But one day that hope manifested something. I'm going to tie it to something in just a minute, but I don't want to say it yet, okay? So hope is that is seen for what does a man, why does he hope for what he sees? But verse 25, but if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. So in other words, so what, what hope is designed for is for the things we can't see yet. What is it you're hoping for? What is it that you have not seen happen in your life yet, but you have hope for it? Because it's important that you do. It's important that you have hope for something. Now, let me read this to you from the Amplified Classic, verse 25. What a great verse. But if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience. I like this next point, and composure. Now here is, that's the sticker right there. Man, I love that Amplified Classic. Even though it's an ouch. Even though it's a, yikes. Because God says we're not really waiting in hope if we're not doing it with composure. We got to have composure about it. The devil will do everything he can to get you to lose your composure. Now believe it or not, you are in charge of your composure. Well, he made me mad. She said that to me. I didn't like that dirty look. He cut me off in traffic. Okay, but you get to decide whether you keep your composure or you lose it. Right? 
You get to decide that. And the thing about it is, hope is saying this, as long as you keep your composure and as long as you are patient, hope says, come here a minute, uh, if you don't mind, Jerome, please. Elder Jerome, come up here. Don't you appreciate Elder Jerome? And... So, Elder Jerome is hope. And anytime you stick with God and you're patient, here's what hope does. Hope says, I'm going with you. Let's go, man. Let's go. As long as I got my composure, as long as I'm in the Word of God, hope says, come on, man, we're going. Hope will just keep going with you. I mean, as long as you'll just hang, hope will say, hey, I'm with you. See, hope is endless. Hope has no end. Hope doesn't get tired. Hope doesn't get worn out. Hope says, if you're ready, man, I'm with you. I'll stick with you. Amen? Come on, give me a hand clap. Can you shout amen? Hope is invisible, but it's indivisible. It doesn't run out. It doesn't go short. It's, 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 as long as you will stick with it, hope will go with you. And even if it looks like, remember, looks like things aren't going to be favorable or will not work out, as long as you keep your composure and your patient hope says, keep walking with me and I'll walk you through and out of this. Are you listening to me? All right, now, so... Uh, Hope, number four, comes from listening to God's word for your life. See, uh, there's words that are general in here for everybody, but what about the times God has spoken specifically to you? You've got to hold on to that. The devil will try to steal that word out of your heart. He will try to get you hopeless. Well, it's never going to work out. Gosh, you know, I mean... Because sometimes somebody else will get promoted before you do. Somebody else will walk into it ahead of you. And the devil says, see, see, I mean, they're not even as committed as you are. Look what, look where they are. It's never going to happen for you. But God is faithful. God is faithful. God's up to, let me tell you something about God. He's up to something all the time. While we're sleeping, he's up to something. When, when, we're, we're, when we're watching a football game and we got our mind nowhere near God, we're just trying to hope they catch that pass in the corner of the end zone, God is working something out. We serve a big God. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm laying a foundation to get you to something here that I've been waiting to say, but now I can say it. Number five, you cannot operate in faith until you have hope. Now, let me say that again. We've tried... Because we've come from faith backgrounds, word of faith, whatever you want to call it. And we've had all that preaching and teaching. And, and that's wonderful. And I, I love it. And I preach a lot of that stuff. But I'm telling you, too often God's people have tried to have faith without having hope. But faith is the substance of things. Oh, wait a minute. So faith can't even give birth to substance without hope. We're skipping a step here. I'll just say it. I'll just confess it. I'll just say what the Bible says and I'll just say it and it'll just come to pass. Well, it won't if you don't have your hope in place. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, hope, what hope does, hope gets things in place and gives faith something to, 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 to uh, hold, hold on to, to hook up with is what I was really trying to say. Faith, faith brings things so far and then it gets it so far and then faith, oh yeah, I can believe God for that. You're hoping, you hope long enough and you hold on to your hope long enough that your hope turns into believing, which is faith. Amen. And then that faith produces what you can't see. But you cannot, step, you, cannot, you cannot skip the step of hope. Can you shout amen? It's like trying to make a ham and cheese sandwich without the cheese. Right? It's not the same. Right? Now, you know the story. I know I told you the story not long ago, but I got to tell it again since I went ahead and said that. Since we got the marriage thing coming up this weekend, I'll tell it again for the sake of you that weren't here when I told this probably only a month ago. But we've been married 10 years, and one night we were, we were lying in bed, and it was one of those nights where we were just kind of just talking. We're not really that tired. We're just talking. And we both looked at each other and said, I'm kind of hungry. She said, I'm kind of hungry. Well, being a good husband like I am, I said, well, don't worry. You, she said, I'll, I said, no, no, honey, you stay in bed. I'll, I'll go get us something. I went to the refrigerator. I made us both a ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah. I brought it back to her. I put that little ham and cheese beside her bed. I'm sitting over there thinking, man, I am the best husband in the world. 
I just scored some major points, man. I tell you what, I am in good shape. And all of a sudden, that ham and cheese sandwich went flying by my nose. Like, what in the world happened here? She said, you know I don't like mustard on my ham and cheese sandwich. I was like... I didn't know that you did. Well, you've been married to me 10 years. You ought to know it by now. <laughs> now, we've been married almost 30 more years, and I have never made another ham and cheese sandwich <laughs> with mustard for her. I've been learning, praise God. Amen. And it's amazing how Christians will try, going back to the point, of course, they'll try to build this thing, and they try to skip hope to get over to faith, so they can get on to the victory. Because, you know, this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But you'll never get to that level if you don't have your hope in place. Can you shout amen? How many of you can see this picture a little bit better now? You just wait till next week's message. Woo, we get into part two of this. It's really going to be something. Now, so this thing about hope is so critical. Again, number five, you cannot operate in faith until you have hope. It is impossible. Hebrews 11 and 1 just tells you that so very clearly. Um, somebody named Pastor William had a quote too. I want to quote him today. He said, if you're going to preach faith and expect it to work, you must preach an equal amount of hope. And see, we don't. We preach faith, 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 faith. Love, 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 hope. Love, 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 love. Faith, 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 hope. Love, 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 love. Faith, 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 hope. And consequently, we got people that know a little bit about love and doing fairly good in that area, and people that know a whole lot about faith that confess all the right stuff and see very little results. And that causes frustration. When you know the Bible says something and you do what it says and nothing happens, it causes frustration. But hope is the key to causing you to stay in there long enough for it to come to pass. Now, let me say something else here. Uh, uh, we need to be careful that we don't put all of our hope in man. Because we can get real guilty on that. It's, Put all your hope in man. I don't want everybody to put their hope in me. Now, I'm your pastor. I'm going to do my best to preach the word to you. I'm going to do my best to love you. We're always going to try to give you a place to come and worship. We're going to build the best church we know how to build and, and all of that. But, but I'm still limited. I'm a, I'm a human being that is very limited. And if you put all your hope in me, then at some point you're going to be disappointed by me. Because I'm just limited. I just am. Are you hearing me? The Bible says put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Don't even put your hope in, you know, in your next door neighbor. Don't put your hope in your best buddy, your best friend. I mean, we all got all these things. Your hope in your employer. And we can go right down the list, all the way down. Hope, hope. No, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. God is able to make up to you the difference between what other people cannot give you. If they don't love you enough, God will love you more. God will make it up to you, but you have to keep your hope. Hope cuts off the flow of God. Hope, hopelessness. Hopelessness cuts off the flow of God. Hopelessness cuts off the, the anointing and, and all of the things that God promised. So you can't lose your hope. Now, I love this illustration. We've used it many times. I don't know how you can improve on it. Um, our good friend, of course he's in heaven now. He's been gone several years. Charles Caps, who was here back many years ago. It's kind of fun uh, getting to meet him. He was one of my heroes back when I was a younger guy. And we got him to come to this church. And like I told you, I remember when he flew his own plane in out here at Outlaw Field. And I was the one that picked him up that day. And, and, uh, and we got to hang out and eat together and all that. But anyway, he was here. And he might even have used this illustration while he was here. But I've used it many times. He's using the illustration of hope. How many of you have central air and heat in your house or apartment or wherever you live? You have central air and heat. We used to have uh, central air in the house where I was raised at. We raised up all the windows and we put a fan in one of the windows. <laughs> and we didn't, have the, we didn't have the air blowing in. They had it blow, the theory was it'll suck the hot air out. It didn't work. It was hot in that house. I'd rather bend down on the floor in front of the fan. Don't worry about sucking the heat out. Let me get in front of the fan. But they didn't do it that way. All I knew was a little kid. I'd stand there and go, -da 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 -da, you know, talking to the van. I remember that. I remember that. 
I remember that. That was, that was good. That was a good thing right there. But if you have central air and heat, uh, so let me, let's talk about your, how many of you have this thing called a thermostat? It's, usually it's on the wall. Now they have very fancy ones now that you can do from your phone. We have one of those, all that kind of stuff. But let me ask you something. Does the thermostat give you any air or give you any heat? No. Doesn't give you any air in your heat, but let me ask you something. Does your air conditioning unit out there, does it give you any air or heat unless the thermostat talks to it? So hope is the thermostat. Yeah. Hope sets, you say, it's 74 in here, I want it to be 68. Or as it is in my house every night with Pastor Ginger, she wants it to be 64. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you what I do. I burrow under the covers. It's a wonder that I don't smother. My head is under the covers. My nose is under the covers. I burrow so far under those covers. I've got extra layers of blankets on me. She'll tell me every night, honey, did you set the thermostat? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yes, honey, I don't want anything flying by my head. Yes, I'm going to set the thermostat. <laughs> now, that thermostat, let's say it was 68, but she said, I want 64. That thermostat, when you cut it to 64, it tells that unit out there, we want 64. Do you understand that that, that thermostat represents hope, that unit represents faith? And see, that, that thermostat sends a signal to, to that and says, we want 64 in here. And the unit says, oh, now that you've sent me the signal, you tell me, yes, we'll give you 64. You understand what I'm saying? Hope is the goal setter. But if you don't have hope, you don't have a goal. And hope is not flimsy or lame. Well, I hope so. That's not what we're talking about in here at all. That's world stuff. Do you think things are going to work out? Well, we sure hope so. No, you don't. There's no hope in that statement at all. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? No, what we're talking about is when you say, oh, I have hope for that. Meaning I'm set on that until it comes to pass. Until I see it, I'm going I'm to stick right. I've already set myself here. And until I see it, that's where I'm at. I'm not going to move. Because remember, hope will go with you. Can you shout amen? Now, praise God, hallelujah. Thank Jesus, amen. Man, we're making a lot of progress here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Um, number six, hope activates the promises of God. Now that's so important that the promises of God, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and him are yes and amen. So there's, God doesn't have, God has given us all these, you know, uh, the Bible says uh, precious promises. It says over the book of Peter, to exceeding great and precious promises it's called. So God has made all these promises to us. God has told us all these wonderful things he will do. But the whole point of this is you're going to have hope to act, you're going to have to have hope to activate them. The biggest misconception, mostly by the world and then by bad preaching in churches, is if God is good and God is love and God wants to bless me, then why am I in trouble and why did my wife leave and why did so-and-so die and why is it I don't have any money and why is it my back hurts and why is it and why is it and why is it? And we go through this whole long list and we just question everything as if God's promises, as if he's just like you and me, he'll make one but he didn't have to keep it. But God's a promise keeper. He said, I'm not a man that I should lie. He said that about himself. He said, now, don't look at me. Don't judge me by the way you do things. He said, I'm God. There's none else beside me. And I'm not a man that I should lie. So if the promises are there and they're sure and they're yes and they're amen, but there is really very little manifestation of them, it must be something on our part that we just have to understand better and grab hold of if we're going to see them happen. And one of those main things, these three, amen. these three continue. One of them is hope. Yeah. You just keep hoping. You just keep on. You just stay with it. Uh, I, I like one phrase somebody used. Yeah, you, and, and not. Let, let me tell you another way to get a lot of hope for yourself. Sow it into other people. Amen. You need to sow hope into other people. You don't need to go around trying to dash everybody's hopes. 
If they say, well, this is what I'm asking and believe, well, well, praise God, you know what? I'm going to join with you on that. I'm going to set my hope and my faith with you on that right there too. Somebody used this phrase. It's not my phrase. I'd like to claim it, but it's not. They said, we need to be a hope lifter. A hope lifter. If somebody's gone through something hard and tragic, the last thing they need you to do is come and pile on. They need you to say, well, now, listen, sweetheart, I know this is horrible. This, we're, not, we're not denying how tragic this is. We're not, we're, not, we're not silly and we're not foolish and we're not denying that you've gone through a horrible thing and it's tragic and, and we know it's going to be a tough season for you, but we really, I really have my hopes set for you that you're going to come through this, that you're going to find out you're stronger than you think you are. God's going to move alongside you and the Spirit of God is going to rise up in you and you're going to come through this and, the, and, and things are going to get better. Amen. So hoping to people. They're hopeless. The people out there, the people just outside these doors are hopeless. And the problem is the church really doesn't care the way it should. I told a story here on Thursday night. That's why you need to be here Thursday night. I told the story of a young man, true story in 1998. He was playing basketball out in a community somewhere and he got shot. And his young friends tried to get him to the hospital and they were trying to get him there, physically carry him there. They, there was a hospital not too far away and they got him a few steps from the front door and they couldn't carry him anymore. They were exhausted. He was too heavy. He was bleeding profusely. He ran inside and told the people in there, said, oh, come out quickly and get my friend. He's been shot. He's bleeding out here. He's going to die. And they said, we're sorry. They said, what do you mean we're sorry? They said, we're sorry, but we have a policy. We can't touch any patient outside our doors. Just can't do it. This is a true story. It happened in 1998. They said, but he's out there. He's bleeding and he's down. They said, we're sorry. We cannot touch him until, unless you get him inside the doors. They said, we can't carry him any further. And there's, what are we going to do? A police officer, they'd finally gotten some attention. He came just a little while later and grabbed him and started to take him in. But he expired before they got him in the door. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this. He was a few feet from getting help, but he had no one to help him get inside. Let me tell you how most of the church is. I said this on Thursday night. I'll show it to you again. There is a, a little cartoon on Pixar about a little bird, and uh, it's wanting to be fed. If you were here Thursday night, I apologize. But, but since most people weren't here, they need, to, they need to hear this. I forgot what the name of it is. Uh, Rachel told me. I can't even remember the name of it. But anyway, this little bird, they're, they're seabirds. And the little seabird's getting old enough now that the mom has always gone out there. And we you know when you, you've ever seen the, the water come in over the sand and little bubbles pop up, those are shells with snails in them. That's why they, they bubble like that. And the seabirds run out there and, and they pull that snail out and eat it. So the mom had been feeding the bird, but the, she figured, okay, now your son, we got to teach you the next lesson. So, so, so she, she runs out there and he's sitting there going, and the mom's going, and he's going, and she said, she was telling him, you got to come out here. So he runs out there finally. And she's trying to show him how to do it. Well, he runs out to the waves. And wouldn't you know it, a big one hits him. I mean, he gets frazzled and he gets rolled and he's soaking wet. He runs back up to his nest and goes. And then he's telling his mom and he's still going. His mom said. So after a little while, he goes back out there. Over time, he figures out how to run out there at a certain time, you know, kind of gauge the water, maybe bury himself a little bit, and then and before you know it, he's feeding himself, his mom, and everybody. He's become an expert at it. Yeah. Let me tell you how most Christians are when it comes to church. Here's all we think about when we come to church. We don't think about our neighbor. We don't think about the person at work that's dying and will go to hell if they don't know Jesus. We're not thinking about people even in our own household. We're not thinking about the person that we know that God's put in our path over and over and over that's hurting. All we think about when we come to church is... Now, that young man died a few feet from help because nobody would help him get in. It's our job to help people get in the church. Right? But now the same way, hope is hope, hope will take you right to the, I mean, it'll get you right to the threshold. You've got to have hope to get you to the place where faith can take over. Faith cannot take over until, you, until hope brings them to that place. Are you listening to me? All right, we're almost done. We'll get done early today. Man, you'll be shocked if we do, won't you? Don't, don't, don't reply, praise God. 
So number six, six, hope activates the promises of God. Hope keeps your dreams alive. What does that mean to keep your dream alive? One of the most famous person that had that statement, I have a dream, we know it was Dr. King back in the day, and he had the dream, and, and there he is preaching uh, in Memphis, and, and everyone's thinking he's going to live to be 80, 90, 100, because, I mean, most people probably will, but in just a matter of, what, two, three days, he's shot. And he's killed. Let me ask you something. Did the dream die with him? No. Look around in here. We've been doing, this church has been like this almost since day one. Because we just, we figured it out this way. Man, we are, we're all, we're, we are the sheep of his pasture. We're not the white sheep or the black sheep or the brown sheep or the yellow sheep or the polka dot sheep. We are the sheep. Amen. If we are the sheep, Amen. we need to be with sheep. Amen. And the thing about hope is hope will keep the dream alive even after it looks like it's dead. Hope will keep that dream alive. Hope will keep that thing churning. Hope will keep you going when it seems like there's no, well, I mean, what are we going to do now? Well, we're just going to keep hoping. Because hope keeps the dream alive. Can you shout amen? amen? Hope says there is a solution. Everybody say it out loud. Say, there is a solution. Now think about the biggest challenge you have right now, the biggest problem that you have, the biggest thing that's really giving you some resistance. Seems kind of almost impossible. Think about it for about five seconds. Now say, there is a solution. No, killing them is not it. Stop that. Stop that. I rebuke that. Hope says there is a solution. Hope says God is listening. This is really important. It's really important that you believe that God is listening to you. It's really important that you believe that the God of creation, Almighty God, and when he says something like, what is man that you are mindful of him? But he is mindful. Isn't it amazing? We have to believe that our God is listening to us. That he can, in the midst of all the noise and the confusion, God can, out of this mass amount of people, 7.3 billion or however many are on planet earth, somehow God can hear my cry. And he does. That's what hope does. Hope tells you God is listening. Hope also says better days are ahead. Everybody say better days are ahead. 1 Samuel 2 and 8, I'm going to read from the message. Now I don't study from some of these other translations because I know that some of them aren't dependable. I'm a pretty strict guy. I was raised in the King James Version. I have Strong's Concordance and Matthew Henry's commentaries. I've tore those things from limb to limb. So if I use other translations, it's only to get, to get into a place where you can understand it. Not, not insulting your intelligence, but I think it does help us sometimes to see things. So out of the Message Bible here in 1 Samuel 2 and 8, it says this. This is a powerful scripture. Are you ready? GP, are you ready? Okay. Listen to this. See if this fits you on some level. Uh, even if you have to interchange the word poor with whatever your biggest need is. First Samuel 2.8 from the message. He puts poor people on their feet again. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to get on my feet again. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope. Wow. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to be rekindled. Now, if you've been feeling burned out, life can do that to you. Life can make you feel burned out. You know, you, you go through things over and over and over and over. You think, my God, is it ever going to quit? Am I, oh, I'm just, whoosh. and people say this all the time. I just feel like I want to throw up my hands and quit. How many times have you heard people say that? Like yourself, Right? Listen to these words that are being used in this passage. Puts them on their feet again. The word again. He rekindles. Listen to that word. Rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope. That's the title of my message today, by the way. If you didn't know, I didn't tell you earlier. Fresh hope. Everybody say fresh hope. Okay, fresh hope. Uh, listen to this next part. Restoring dignity and respect to their lives. Wow. Restoring dignity and respect to their lives. What if somebody lies on you? What if somebody defames you? What if somebody, what if somebody, you know, does something to, uh, you know, like that, to bring some shame to you or whatever? The Bible says God will restore dignity here and respect to your life. 
You can't control what people say. How many of you know that? It's one of the hardest lessons in life. It's the hardest lesson in life to understand you cannot control what people say. People are going to say whatever they want to say. And you just have to know who you are. Just know who you are. Go to bed at night. I know who I am. And I also know who I'm not. But the Bible says hope will restore dignity and respect. Listen to this part. A place in the sun. I love that. Next part of this verse. God is going to give you back a place in the sun. Everybody say a place in the sun. Raise your hands and kind of wave them in the air like you don't care. You know, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Woo! I get my place in the sun. Can't you just see yourself on a beach? Got your little sandals on. Sit back in that chase chair there. Sipping on some lemonade. Watching the waves of the ocean. Man, life couldn't be better than this. Woohoo! God's going to give you back a place in the sun. Isn't that awesome? Now, when you're in darkness, when you're in despair, when you're in desperation, when you've gone through a divorce, a death, a defeat, doesn't seem like any of that's possible, but just keep on hoping. Hope will walk with you and walk you on out of that. And you will live again. You will have a place in the sun. Isn't that great? Don't you love God? Well, listen, if we look at the book, it ought, to, it, it ought to let us know that because how does everything eventually wind up in this book? Just go to Revelations 21 and Revelations 22. Last chapter in the Bible, chapter 22, Revelation. And look at what happens. No tears. No worry. No sickness. No disease. No fear. Light all the time. Live forever. Immortal. Joyous, no devil, with your family that you love to do Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Have you noticed how God always fixes the ending to be just perfect? So you might be in the middle of some bad stuff, but God has another part to this. God has another part to it. Don't underestimate what God can do tomorrow that He's not yet, that you're not seeing today. Finally, number seven. This is really important as we've been on a very positive note today. Let me throw in one little negative here. There is little anyone can do for a person who has willingly laid down their hope. Now, if you lay down your hope, there is very little that anyone can do for you. I, I'm not good enough to preach. I'm not a good enough preacher. You've got to decide, I want to live. I want to live life again. I want to laugh again. I want to dream again. I want, I want the good things. I want what God promised. I, I, I want to see things happen in my life. I want to be used of God. I want to, be, I want to make an impact on my generation. I want to, I want to, I want to help people. I, I, want to, I, want, I want to be somebody that, that lifts others. You've got to decide all of this. What the devil means for you when you get hit hard is to lay down and quit. But that's when you've got to rise up. And you've got to look for hope in the middle of it all. Can you say amen? amen. I'll, I'll give you one more scripture. Proverbs 13 and 12 is a very familiar scripture about this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, unless we make the effort to keep our hope in God's word, we'll become sick and weak in our hearts. It's just the truth. It's, it's vitally important to keep your hope alive. But here's a, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Listen to this. The word deferred just means, doesn't mean it's endless. It just means it's paused a little while. Deferred just means it's going to happen. Like if you defer something, it's not saying you're never going to have to do it or it's never going to come. It's just means you're pushing it back a little. So hope deferred can make you, for a season, you might go through some grief and some hardship, but hold on to hope. Because remember, eventually that deferment, it will come up again. And you will get through this. A lot of you have lost loved ones in the last several years. Not just during COVID. It was before COVID. We've gone through about a 10-year run on planet Earth where there have been people dying just like this. Haven't they? And we've all felt it somewhere in our family. Some of it was expected. People were older. They just, you know, they'd run their journey and it was time to come home and they laid down their lives and they went on home. That's fine. Some of it was unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But we can't even let that cause us to, to, to lose our hope. We've got to decide. We're, we're holding in, man. We're, we're holding on. We're not, we're not those that draw back. We're not those that quit. We're not those that, that step away. We're those that, that dig in deep. Remember the Shawshank Redemption? Red and Andy, remember them? I love that movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman is God. I want you to know that. If I get to heaven and God doesn't look like Morgan Freeman, I'm going to be disappointed. Because, I mean, when you look at, uh, what was that one about the ark? Uh, Evan Almighty. Evan Almighty. And then Bruce Almighty. But Evan Almighty. I mean, but Red says to Andy, he said, get busy, get busy living or get busy dying. I know some people that are very busy dying. Every time you're around them, I can't, I won't, it'll never happen, I don't know what happens to me. I, I, as a pastor, as a pastor, I get frustrated um, because I am on Facebook. I use it a lot to, to reach a lot of you in ways that I probably couldn't otherwise. Otherwise, I really, and I get to do my little weather thing that, you know, some people think is kind of cute. So I, that's my other, my little alter ego of weather wheel, you know, because uh, I wanted to be a weatherman all those years. But... But, but I, I see some people on there, and it is just every single day. This hurt me, and I got this, and I got this hurt, and this hurt, and I were here. And I was over there, and there's nothing going to happen. And I just thought, my God in heaven, stop! Can you not put one thing on here that you're thankful for? One thing that's good on here. And I've been on there several years, and guess what? Years later, they're still in a miserable state because they're busy dying. Instead of busy living. We got to get busy living. You know, the older you get, you do think about things a little differently. Now, I'm 63 going on 36. You, most of you can't hang with me in a day. I can outwork, outrun. I had somebody recently, one of my past friends, a little younger, he goes, if we get in a foot race, I said, dude, if we get in a foot race, you will only see my backside for about 10 seconds. You won't see me after that. I said, don't kid yourself. You cannot run with me. Let's not, let, don't even go there. Don't even go there, man. Don't, you don't even want to think that. That's the wrong thought. That's from the devil. But, but I do realize that I'm not 15 or 18 or 20. You do look at things a little differently. You realize you just can't waste time. Time is too precious. Time is way too precious. You've, you've got to invest it right. and You've got to try to measure it out. When doctor, I've, I've, this is my final closing. Somebody said, how many, how many do you get? Well, I'm the pastor, you know. Again, remember, Paul said finally, and he wrote six more epistles. So, but I'm not going to write six more. I told you when Dr. Lemon was here back years ago, I remember when Dr. Lemon was part of it. What a cool thing it was to have one of the patriarchs of faith be a member of our church. Amen. Sitting right on the front row every time we had church. When Dr. Lehman was here, I told you this. The Lord told me when he got here, he said, I sent him here for you. I said, great. He said, no, but you don't understand. He's 25 years older than you. That's what he was when he got here. He was, he was 81 and I was 56. He said, I want you to listen to him and have the wisdom of an 81-year-old man at 56. I don't want you to be 81 when you learn what he's learned. I want you to get it now. I said, yes, sir. So I sat with him and talked to him about just about anything and everything I possibly could. We went out to eat so many times. He ate so many cheeseburgers that he wasn't supposed to have. But I'm not going to tell the man of God, no, if that's what you want. He would say, put triple cheese on there. Like, okay, praise God. <laughs> but, but I did sit with him and I listened to him. And, and this is what the Lord told me. I don't want you to... You, 25 year, you don't have 25 years to learn what he's learned. I got, you got to get some of this quick. And I, I kind of understood what he said. Amen? Amen? Now, let's get back as we close here for, about hope. Next week we're going to get us some stuff about hope. How many of you have you got your hopes up now? you even been in this service. Put your hope back on some stuff that you've taken it off of. Now here's what some of you mistakenly also do. Let's say someone dies. Let's go very drastic here, very, very uh, horrible and dark. Let's say someone dies in your circle, in your life, that maybe you didn't quite expect them to die, but they died. So you had your hopes set for certain things that were tied to that person that died. Now what am I going to do? 
God has a plan. We, we mistakenly think that all of our hopes are based on just the people around us, but they're not. Again, they're based on the Word. They're based on what God said in the Holy Spirit. God can, can make something out of the rubble. I was, uh, we, we had, we're selling our cabin and so we had to move a bunch of stuff this week. I've been over working at the cabin and getting, and three years we stuffed that little cabin full of stuff and so we had to bring all that stuff home and so I'm downstairs and I'm trying to find a place for more stuff which is kind of hard to do because we got stuff and I was, some of my stamp books because you guys know I'm a stamp collector so, uh, I didn't have a place. I have a whole shelf with nothing but all my stuff. And I thought, where am I going to put them? And I found this whole place. When I did a, a, a magazine or a book, actually a nice book, I pulled out that I'd forgotten about, about Clarksville, the history of Clarksville, Tennessee. And it showed all of the pictures of the tornado that hit downtown in 1999, which we are well acquainted with because it hit our little rented Faith Outreach Church's building that we used to be in down there. Didn't tear it down. It was a miracle that it didn't. But we did get flushed out of it. Well, anyway, it showed all these pictures of the destruction, and it was a lot of destruction. It was between an F3 and an F4 tornado, which is very violent, and just tore that downtown to pieces. And it had a whole chapter of these pictures, and then the next chapter, this book was printed in 2009, 10 years exactly after the uh, tornado, and it showed what downtown Clarksville looked like, and it looked, it looked amazing. It actually showed the pictures of Clarksville before the tornadoes, pre-1999. Then it showed the tornado pictures in 1999 and the destruction. Then in 2009, it showed what it looked like afterwards, and it looked even better than it did before the destruction hit it in 99. What am I saying to you? If you'll hold on to your hope, even if there's destruction in your life, God is going to put some things back. And it's not going to be like it was before it happened. God's going to make it better. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.